Well, good morning, Northside Church family. I'm joining you this morning from my farm where we are blanketed with snow. And I know that you're probably sitting at home. If you're in the lower mainland, you might also see lots of snow outside. So wherever you're joining us from, we wanted you to be safe this morning. So we made the call to cancel our services, but I still wanted to bring you this message on mourning and comfort in a time of loss because I believe that as we look outside and we see the snow that has fallen on the ground, there is a certain peace to it. And I believe that there are things in our life that happen to us, whether we lose a loved one, whether we lose a friend, whether we lose a neighbor, a coworker, whether we lose a job or a dream or uh, something in our lives that we grieve, we mourn. Maybe it's the loss of a pet. Maybe it's the, the loss of an item that means so much to you. There are moments in our life when we mourn and when we grieve. And I don't know about you, but I'm really uncomfortable in the space of mourning. I remember when I was a, a pastor early on in my ministry, you know, 10 years ago, recently licensed and ordained, and, and people would come to me for advice or counsel or comfort. And I just didn't know how to sit in that space of grief and mourning. I'm a little bit of an optimist. In fact, my staff call me Optimist Prime. <laughs> and the reason they call me Optimist Prime is because I'm always optimistic. I tend to overlook hurdles, difficulties, struggles. Um, I don't really see obstacles. I, I call it faith, but maybe sometimes it is just optimism. And I don't know if you are like me, but I'm really uncomfortable in that space of mourning, of grief. And so I, as a pastor, had to learn what does it mean to grieve? What does it mean to mourn with someone? What, what does it mean to lead someone through the most difficult moment of their life? And at first in ministry, I felt all this kind of pressure of what to say and do I know the right Bible verse and what's a good worship song that I could give someone or what do I have to do? Should I send them flowers? Should I uh, take them out for coffee. Like, what should I do? And I remember early on, I would wrestle with these questions of what to do. And all of those things are wonderful. All of the things I mentioned are necessary at times in people's lives. They're a great blessing to people when they mourn. But there's one thing that I've learned along the way that is better than all of those other things. It's to sit to be still, to pause, to just be. Be there for someone. There's nothing like the power found in presence. That our presence with someone, coming alongside them, sitting with them, hugging them, being the shoulder to cry on, is what many people need in times of mourning. 
Have you ever been in a situation where you just didn't know what to say or what to do? Have you found yourself trying to be there for someone? Have you found yourself mourning and grieving and, and you didn't know what to do? You didn't know what to say. And sometimes we numb the pain. Sometimes we, we yell and we scream and sometimes we bottle it up inside. Sometimes we act out in our words and our actions. Sometimes we turn to things like alcohol or drugs. We turn to food or shows that we watch. We just try to numb the pain. Following the way of Jesus means that we follow the things that he teaches, which is called truth, but we also follow the way that Jesus lived his life. These two ideas of truth and lifestyle have two fancy words in theology. Orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is doctrine. It is what you study. It's what you know. It's spiritual knowledge. Orthopraxy is the practice of your faith. And it's these two that come together when it comes to mourning, when it comes to comforting both yourself and someone in your life. This morning, we look back to the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. In the Gospel of Luke, it's called the Sermon on the Plain. In some of your Bibles, it's called the Beatitudes. I want to continue our study in following the way of Jesus with another concept that I would say is a paradox in the upside-down kingdom of God that we find ourselves in. Our main point this morning is this. Comfort is not always found in words. Many times it is found in solidarity, silence, pause, prayer, and presence. This morning I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 5 briefly, and then we're going to look at the story of Lazarus. Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, lose their brother. He, he dies. And Jesus was unable to get to them before he died. So when we join Jesus with Mary and Martha, Lazarus has passed away. And we're going to look at how does Jesus respond in times of mourning, in times of grief. Before I continue, I want to take a moment to pause, to pray, and to just be still for a moment. Let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you for the stillness found, the peace found in your presence. I pray that your comfort your counsel, and your love would surround all those that are watching and listening today. Wherever they might find themselves, I pray that one thing would be certain, that they are in the palm of your hand. May your presence, may your peace 
surround us this morning, this afternoon, or this evening, as we spend time in your presence. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Rest upon the areas within us that are anxious, worrisome, uncomfortable, discouraged. And may we feel the encouragement of your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and following. You might hear the sound of chickens in the background, or you might hear the faint sound of a donkey that sounds like it has COVID. Um, you may hear the sound of ducks or horses. But I pray that that this setting will, will give you a sense of peace as well. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and following, Jesus goes up onto the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And today I want to pause here in the Beatitudes, and I want to teach on what does it mean to mourn? What does it mean to bring comfort to those who mourn? Our first point this morning is the power of pause. The power of pause. Mourning and grief is a tornado of feelings. It's a hyperventilation of the soul, a panic of the mind. It's sudden, it's uncontrollable, it comes upon you when you least expect it. We emotionally react in situations of mourning, even when we're not emotional and emotionally outward beings. We, we mentally react. Even if we're people of peace, we have thoughts that are of torment plaguing us. We, we regret that we didn't spend more time with someone. We regret that we didn't do more. We regret that we didn't try harder. first thing I want to say to you this morning, my first encouragement to you this morning is it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not have everything figured out. It's okay to be down, sad, empty, longing. See, there are moments in life to get things done, to be joyful, to get over things, to do something, to fight for something, to try hard for something. There are moments like that in our life, but times of mourning are not those moments. Times of mourning are times to pause, to be still, to know that he is God and to just be still in your circumstance. Moments of mourning are moments of pause. 
How do we embrace mourning for a loved one that we've lost? Or mourning the loss of a friend, of a job, of a dream? Mourning the loss of a pet who meant so much to us? Or mourning the deep and profound loss of any kind? Pause long enough to be still, to feel the full weight of your loss. Pause long enough to feel the pain of grief and deep sadness. Don't run from it. Don't try to bury it. Don't just try to move on. Don't just try to be happy all the time. Embrace it. Sit with it. Sit long enough that you see it from every angle, every facet. Walk around your grief. Walk around your loss. Pete Scazzaro says, Sometimes you have to go back to go forward. You see, personal grief and loss is an essential part of all of our lives. But sometimes we just move forward. Sometimes we just try to forget about it. Sometimes we just try to ignore it. But sometimes we have to go back. Sometimes we have to dig it up again to fully process and to fully heal. Mourning introduces a pain that forever changes you. You're confronted with feelings, emotions, thoughts, memories that you never would have thought of before. Jesus says, the blessing of mourning is comfort. I don't know what Jesus is talking about. Because when I'm mourning, I'm not comfortable. But he's saying, comfort will come. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The word for comfort here is the word parakaleo. Parakaleo. It's the same word that we have for the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter. He is the paraclete. You see, what Jesus is saying here is that those that mourn will receive parakaleo from the paraclete. They'll receive comfort from the comforter. Blessed are those who mourn, for the Holy Spirit will come. The Holy Spirit will come and be with you. And also, if you're comforting someone who is mourning, the Holy Spirit is within you. And so you bring that comfort to someone else. We turn to John chapter 11 as we look at the story of Lazarus who has passed away. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, interact with Jesus. And Jesus, in verse 4 of John chapter 11, looks at Martha. And he is Optimus Prime when he says this. He is faith-filled and he knows that a miracle is going to happen. And he looks at her and he says, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, 
so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha answered him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. I can relate to Jesus. Jesus is a faith-filled optimist. Jesus knows that the end is going to be okay. And he reassures her that your brother Lazarus will rise again. And Jesus also reassures her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. That resurrection and life can come here, now. Not just once we die and, and go to heaven and be present with the Lord, but, but the Lord is here. The Messiah is here. Resurrection and life is here, Jesus says. I can see him being kind of upbeat, faith-filled. It's okay, Martha. Don't worry about Lazarus. But something else hits Jesus. Something beyond the breakthrough, the miracle, the faith-filled optimism that he has. We come down to verse 32. And Jesus encounters Mary. And there's something about the relationship that Jesus has with Mary that is different from the relationship that he has with Mark. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trembled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? And some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? When Jesus pauses in the midst of the situation and he sees Mary weeping and he hears people weeping, Jesus holds the tension of knowing that a miracle will take place, and yet he pauses and weeps. And Jesus feels the full emotion of the situation. One of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible is Jesus wept. In other words, Jesus mourned. Jesus felt grief. Jesus saw the grief and mourning of others and wanted to bring comfort. 
Jesus is the most emotionally healthy person to ever walk the earth. He has a miracle in his pocket. He has breakthrough in his pocket. He has victory in his pocket. But for a moment, for a moment, he, he withholds, he withholds dismissive words like, get over it, like, it's going to be fine. Or this one that is so painful to so many of us, earth's loss is heaven's gain. Or don't worry, they're with Jesus now. Now, all of those things are true, and all of those things can be said in a way that is comforting. But most of the time, they're actually words to make us, the ones who are trying to comfort, feel comfortable. Because we try to do something, we try to say something to cut the tension. Jesus doesn't. Jesus embraces pain, embraces sadness, embraces grief, embraces mourning, and he just wept. Jesus doesn't rush past mourning for a miracle. I remember a few years ago, I was preparing a, a message for Good Friday, and I felt the Lord say to me, Joel, don't rush through Friday to get to Sunday. Don't rush through the cross to get to the resurrection. This is one of those moments. This is one of those moments where Jesus knows that he has resurrection power inside to release for Lazarus. But he sits in the pain of the cross, of the death. He is deeply troubled, deeply moved, and he wept. See, comfort can be found in pausing long enough with someone to be a peaceful presence in time of mourning. A peaceful presence. Jesus was moved by mourning and then he moved toward the tomb. Take away the stone. In verse 38 of chapter 11, Jesus once more was deeply moved. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Sometimes you have to look back to look forward. Sometimes you have to look back before you heal so you can move forward. Take away the stone. But, but Jesus, it, the odor's too strong. But Jesus, the pain is too great. But Jesus, you don't want to see what's inside that tomb. Take away the stone. 
but Jesus, the memories are too painful. I, I, I don't want to talk about this loss. Take away the stone. Jesus will always take time to look inside the pain and the suffering that we face. He will always take time to mourn with us, to grieve with us, to look inside of us. Maybe you've lost someone that you love, a, a father, a mother, a, a grandfather, a grandmother, an aunt, an uncle, a brother, a sister, a son, a daughter, a niece, a nephew, an uncle, an aunt, a good friend, a neighbor, a co-worker. Maybe you've lost a dream. Maybe you've lost this, the job that was bringing you so much joy. Maybe you lost a, a pet, a dear companion that you love so much. Whoever you've lost, whatever you've lost, I felt the Lord say this morning, take away the stone. I, I know it was a long time ago. I, I know it happened so long ago, you, you actually think that you've forgotten. You actually think that you've moved on. You actually believe that it isn't painful anymore. Take away the stone. But, but Jesus, I, I don't want you to see that area of my life. I'm fine. I'm over it. Take away the stone. In counseling, in, in conversations, in prayer with people, there's often this moment where I'm sitting with the person and I'm asking them to take away the stone. It's the most painful moment because you see them relive this, this memory from childhood. You see them going back in their memory. You're taking them there. But you're saying it's going to be okay. You you comfort them, even though they're rolling back the stone and you can see the odor, the sadness, the pain, the grief leak out. But you step inside and you look at this memory and you sit with them and you pause and you're still. Jesus looked into the tomb. He confronted his own mourning, his own grief, his own loss. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I, I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, 
Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And let him go. The resurrection of Lazarus, it's a moment of victory, the moment we celebrate. Our whole entire Christian faith lies on the resurrection of Jesus Christ on Easter morning, on Resurrection Day. Our entire Christian faith hinges on the resurrection. But at the same time, like Lazarus, Jesus had to be in the tomb for a few days. Long enough for the disciples to grieve, long enough for the world to mourn, long enough to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious law, and the Romans to think they had victory, long enough. Grief was necessary. To feel the full weight of the resurrection, we must feel the full weight of the death, and mourning and grief, pain and loss, that is the weight. There are many of you watching, listening, that still grieve and mourn today. Some of you are fresh in the process of mourning. Some of you are marking an anniversary of someone you lost a year ago. Some of you it was two or three years ago. Some of you it's 10 or 20 years ago. Some of you it's more. This morning, I felt the Lord call us wherever we might be. And, and he chose to, to do this more, more privately, individually. And I love that about God. I love that he, he planned this snow day for Northside Church, knowing that I was going to share this message on morning so that you could sit in the stillness of your home to remember, to grieve, to mourn. And Jesus is saying to you this morning, would you, would you roll away the stone? Would you let me, the paraclete, be your paracleo? Would you let me comfort you, he said. This morning, I want to invite you to to remember, to mourn, to grieve. And I want to read this prayer to you. Take a moment to be still and listen to these words. Father, we pause and hold empty space for these days overwhelmed with sudden and unexpected pain and reminders of what could have been. Jesus, restore our belief that you redeem what is lost, but also that our grief is safe with you 
and that mourning is not a waste of our precious time. O oh Lord, you do not scorn our disappointment, but rather remind us that you are a God who was clothed in human flesh and felt tears run down your divine face. Oh, how glorious, how wonderful to have a Savior who understands. Hope deferred makes our hearts sick, so we ask you to remind us, O oh, sweetest friend, that what we grieve, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a dream, the lost job, the lost loss of health, the loss of a relationship, the loss of our connection to you, God, was so terribly painful to lose. You say we are blessed when we mourn, for we shall be comforted. Come near and be our deepest consolation now, Father. Comfort our grief-stricken hearts and lead us into the warmth of your relief, the tenderness of your word, the marrow deep peace of your presence. The greater intimacy we can enjoy with our suffering Savior. We mourn for the loss and death of our loved ones and the death of our good dreams, O Creator, and ask that you fill the space these deep losses have left with the presence of your Holy Spirit. We step toward the tomb that contains our loss. We roll away the stone and we peek inside. We remember and we mourn what lies in grave clothes inside. This morning, to those of you that may feel ready to do this, and you may not feel ready to do this, but I want to invite you to speak life into that loss. So I'll continue. For those that are ready to speak life, and some of you may not be, but to those that may feel ready, speak to the memory, the loss, the person you have lost. Speak to the grief and say, come forth, come forth. To those that feel ready, speak new life into the grave and receive whatever the Lord would have for you this morning. And to those that aren't ready, just be. Sit silently, weep, mourn. And look toward the day when every tear will be gone. Look to the day when you meet Jesus in this space again, the one in whom all our hope resides. Amen. Church, I, I, I know this was a different message. I know this maybe wasn't one that you wanted to tune into. My hope and my desire was that you'd feel uplifted and comforted. My hope and desire is that as a community, as a community, as the body of Christ, 
we would be presence focused, focused on the presence of God, but also the presence of one another, the presence of our joy and the presence of our grief, the presence of our victory and the presence of our de defeat. And so this morning, church, I, I bless you. I, I speak life over you. I speak comfort over you. And I pray that today as you contemplate and remember that you'd feel the comfort of God, the peace that passes all understanding would be with you upon him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.